Sorry to announce that the 1843 to Gatwick is delayed by approximately 50 minutes due to a wizard. to the Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Electronic Wireless Show. It's episode 51. I'm Brendan. Uh, it's the 11th of July and I'm joined by Alice Bale. Hello. And Matthew Castle. Hello. Hello, both of you. Um, how are we doing? Intro bands. I'm I'm very well, Brendan. How are you? You've been on holiday. I've been on holiday. I saw my sister's children. Uh, went and give them presents. I like uh, that you've been on holiday to where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been on holiday to England. Yeah. It was great. I got to see all the football people celebrating. I got to watch the football in England. I got to watch the Sweden-England match. It's coming yeah. home, Brendan. I've heard that it's going home, but I don't know what it's going to do or say when it gets there. It better wipe its feet on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I know. <laughs> Uh, cool. We'll 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 feed in the the music. What well, that that song at some point during the podcast, and we'll just let it take over us talking slowly, <laughs> and that'll be how we can end the podcast this week. Nice. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about this week? Um, magic. We're talking about magic in video games. This is because a reader emailed us. Because you can do that if you're a reader or a listener. You can email podcast at rockpapershotgun.com and you can get your theme talked about. And that's what Chris McDowell did. He says, I'm really enjoying the RPS podcast. I muck about with game development as a hobby. And I recently started playing with it. Recently started playing with a game idea where the player is a wizard, and I'm exploring ways to bring magic into the game world. Unfortunately, nothing feels very magical. He goes on to say that in fiction, magic is mysterious and unpredictable, but it rarely feels that way in video games. Uh, Usually there's just a resource pool of points or abilities, and you can affect the world in some predictable way, so I'm guessing like fireballs and such. Uh, So Chris says, I would love to hear you discuss magic in games. Have you played things where magic has a sense of wonder and strangeness? Are there any games where magic feels actually magical? So thank you, Chris from New Zealand. You've made us think <laughs> um what what do we got what do we got uh i was gonna talk about uh a game called arcanum arcanum subtitle of steamworks and magic obscura which uh was from about 2001 i think um and i think it was obsidian and uh in that the magic is it's still like it is still like a resource pool and and you you know have 
higher level spells that completely wipe you out and you can't do magic for a bit. But like the way it's the whole world is set up is that technology and magic are in extreme opposition. So like they kind of don't work around one another. And like if your character's a mage or if you have a mage in your party, you like can't get on a steam train unless you get in like a special kind of lead lined carriage because if otherwise the steam train would just not work and would just screw up because of your very presence. Um, I'm pretty sure I've heard uh, First Great Western use that excuse before. <laughs> Is there a wizard who isn't in the lead the lead lined carriage? Because that's why we ain't reaching Swindon on time. <laughs> Sorry to announce that the 1843 to Gatwick is delayed by approximately 50 minutes due to a wizard. <laughs> um, You've got a very accurate train lady voice. Yeah, I hear it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. What a skill to have. I'm invited to loads of parties and they're all like, Alice. Alice, do, do the train voice, do the train voice. <laughs> Um, uh, but I really liked that it really stuck with me I played it when I was like 10 or 11 it really stuck with me as just kind of a cool way to build the world um, and I'm, I'm sure it's been like done loads now but just the idea that like if you're magic you can't like you know use a typewriter just I just really liked that and the <laughs> idea of having like real world effects like that that aren't just to do with like you know, exploding stuff or setting people on fire. I just really liked it. Mm. So there's a sort of inherent magic yeah. in your character rather than someone who just does acts of magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, um, uh, people won't like... Like, uh, mechanics and, like, you know, engineers would just be inherently mistrustful of you <laughs> if you do magic. And they won't that's let much, you near their stuff. That's much better than, I think much better than the usual world fantasy world that has mages in it and the mages are usually persecuted or chased down or mistrusted just because they're witches or wizards or whatever um but it sounds like in arcanum there is an actual reason to not trust your wizards because they make your ipods not work yeah basically yeah (laughs) like imagine if every time your mate came around your house like your your kettle stopped working (laughs) <laughs> and, and yeah like you couldn't play your music or the, and you had to have like a supplement like it, imagine if your mate came around and turned your fridge off you'd be livid so like, mm. oh I've got I've got loads of like chicken in the freezer oh, I've yeah. got like you know I, I accidentally turned our fridge off in our student house and it and it melted someone's hidden supply of meats <laughs> and it caused a huge rift in the in the whole kind of house dynamic for like the rest of the year, um, so I've lived that. I'm without the magic, but I've, I've I've lived that particular scenario. Can I drive this off topic again and ask what you mean by hidden supply of meat as well? well? Because there was a freezer that we didn't think was in operation, which oh. is why I, I unplugged it. Because I was like, "Well, no one uses this freezer," but it turns out they had a secret fee- freezer full of like budget meats <laughs> that they'd. I don't know how they'd seize them, but they had Oh my word. <laughs> I thought you meant like exotic meats, like zebra and ostrich. Oh no, like... no. We're talking common, but you know. Budget st- meats sounds worse because it sounds like it might just be rodents. Well, we don't. <laughs> I, uh, what was left of the meat was kind of hard to, to kind of work out exactly what it was after it defrosted and melted 
horribly all over the kitchen floor. So, um, yeah, I practically lived in Arcanum for my students. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm getting at. Uh, Come RPS podcast, come for the magic chat, stay for the meat stories. Uh, what else? What else was is magical? What else feels magical? Um, I quite liked recently uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, which I know has the typical uh, you know Final Fantasy is what you associate with you know world of mages where lots of magical people just exist. Uh, but I quite like the idea that sort of spells you were crafting them from like little elemental kind of riffs you draw from them. And then you kind of cook spells up, almost like kind of elemental grenades. They sort of worked. And I like the idea that the more elements you pumped into a spell, the bigger it got. And really the only limit to it was how much stuff you pumped into it. And so you're just mixing spells. I quite like the idea of it's kind of a, a halfway house between kind of Witch's Cauldron and kind of more traditional kind of spell throwing and lobbing. You know, I like the fact you could create a tiny little fire grenade that made like a little flame appear on someone's head, or you could put, you know, you know, an entire week's worth of fire collection <laughs> into one, and it would just create this giant inferno. And you know, or if you put the ice spells in, it would create this huge blizzard, and like the whole area would become frozen over, and all the the chaps would get all cold and their hair would get all frosty and yeah. it had a really good scale to it which it, you know i know the game had like if you put x amount in it will become this next level of spell but it felt like there's a kind of a great what if of if i just keep pumping stuff into this spell like how big could it go you know what could i do with this which i think is quite a, a maybe like a fun way of dealing with more traditional you know, what sound like quite traditional magics on the surface, you know, fire, ice, water or whatever. Mm. Um, but you can just sort of grow them, grow them big, grow them messy. <laughs> didn't, um, didn't the Elder Scrolls Oblivion have something similar with its, was it its weapons enchanting or its potions or something? You could, I can't remember exactly what it was, but you you could combine spells in certain ways and it would make a it would make a weird weapon like a weapon that would do a, that would cause that would do a spell that wouldn't normally be applied to a weapon like make some like reanimate a corpse or something right um and you would just you would just throw all these magical bits and bobs together and see what you got like a horrible yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen a, f- a few of these sort of like modular spell systems where you know it's kind of like the more you pump into them the kind of wild of a thing gets there was that um I thought, was it Two Worlds? I think I played way back. Oh, God, when, yeah. And that had a very flexible kind of like, you put the ingredients in and I'll I'll do whatever kind of naturally comes out of that. And you could end up with kind of potions that would make you jump sort of like 500 miles into the sky or whatever. <laughs> Just if you kind of invested enough kind of time in them, you could do that. But um, yeah, I quite like that kind of almost like alchemy kind of vibe going on. That's mm. quite fun. I I like you mentioning Final Fantasy. I really I was gonna mention the the summons. Oh yeah, yeah. In like the not in fifteen but in like the older ones. In like ten especially as well, for some reason just really like the first time you do a summon, you it it's a proper kind of like, oh my god, like you just it feels like a real moment. Yeah. Where just this giant like 
fiery kind of monster just explodes out of the sky and like hurls rocks everywhere or this naked ice woman appears with huge shards of ice slamming down everywhere yeah then you enter into that territory of the the world ending cutscene yeah that then does like 50 damage and you're like well that was like we just sat through like a minute of you literally threw the moon or whatever at my face and the guy's not dead what you know he's going to take several moons to the face in the course of a battle it's very true and it's like it's only like the first time you do it that you're like this is amazing and then every other time you're like okay come on <laughs> yeah alice did um tell us about a spell that was in planescape torment um off air uh, which I'll I'll link to the video of of it being used because it's quite fun. It's of like they open up a portal and you see behind on the other side of the portal is a giant gun being readied somewhere way off somewhere you don't know where I don't know where it is but it's just a giant cannon and it's like got a telescopic barrel and comes out and it's loaded with horrible laser ammunition or something and then instead of just firing it wherever towards the person they just open a portal and it just goes through of the portal to wherever you are it's like the the most horrifying piece of artillery like you can use it anywhere um so i'll put a link to that video that seems like quite a a frightening spell i don't know how mad how truly magical it feels but it's definitely felt end of the world frightening Mm. did you um did you play Final Fantasy Fifteen? Yeah, because that had that the summons in that were pretty yeah, spectacular. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool actually. Yeah, I I, I could never figure out like if I was doing them right. It's just sometimes a big man would show up. Well, yeah, that is basically <laughs> it. Like they were like there's secret rules, like there's secret conditions that have to be met. Like you've got this amount of damage, you know, you're this low on health, and your teammates yeah. are doing this or that, and then they'd like randomly turn up and just like destroy the world. Um, <laughs> Which is always good. What did you um, have, Brendan? I have like a bunch of things written down to like suggest to you and see if they are, if you feel like they are magical. Um, like <laughs> talking to the animals in Divinity Original Sin Two feels magical. Um, it's something that not everyone can do. But is turning into a mug in prey magical? Oh, it's quite magical. It's quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of those things that, like, in Prey kind of almost seeped into my real life a little bit. Because, like, you know when you get... You turned into a mug. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, But, like, I... You know when you get up in the middle of the night and you need a wee and then you need to go and get a glass of water? I'd sort of be suspicious of, like, half asleep, be a bit like, are you in my toaster? Or, and kind of... Did I have not not a mimic stickers? Yeah, put on everything in your kitchen. Yeah, Uh, you'd be able to tell what was a mimic in our house because most things are like dirty and cracked (laughs) and broken. And if there was one clean mug, it'd be like it's that one. It's definitely that one. (laughs) It's like oh, this mug hasn't got like five months of apple tango layered on the base of it. Um, It's definitely an alien. (laughs) Um, Catherine will be cross. Our house is cleaner than that. I think talking to the animals is really good. Is uh, is a good example, yeah. Similarly, um, listening to the rats in Dishonored. Yes, I was gonna say that. I loved that bit in. Uh, it was Death of the Outsider, wasn't it? 
I don't know. I just heard about it. I don't. I don't play Dishonored. I don't play video games, Alice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you fraud. I will note that for you. You're just doing it to impress gamer girls. Fake gamer girls. Yeah. What um? What do the rats have to say for themselves? I've played. Uh, so I've not. I can't remember talking to the rats. So I've obviously not played well, that one. Only in so in Dishonored uh, one. In, in the sorry, in the first Dishonored and Dishonored two. Um, you had like a heart yeah. that you'd squeezed and then the heart would be like, this person's terrible or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in Death of the Outsider, you got a charm that let you hear the thoughts of rats and they would say sort of quite... Right. Kind of like, there's a strange thing happening. Oh, something's in the sewers and stuff. Just oh, like, like gossips. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so not just like, like endlessly banging on about cheese. No. Do rats eat cheese? Rats eat anything, I imagine. I don't know. Yeah. Are the rats probably? Who knows? The other rats. I would have liked that though if they'd thrown in more like lads. There's, there's the butcher's thrown away like a whole chicken. It's amazing. Or like, well, just the whole get. That's all it is. Just the yeah. whole layer of the game where they're just gossiping about like scraps of food, and every time you're like, this is useless. You guys are so unhelpful. <laughs> you could ch- you could talk to them back in rat tongue. Yeah, yeah. And say like. Give me the where's the key? And they're like, I can tell you where a nice apple core is. And you're like, not the key, you sods. <laughs> Jesus, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Just a rat arguing game. Yeah, ten out of ten. Got you of the year. All right, I think you've given Arkean all of the good ideas. Mm, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, talking to animals though, that's good. Yeah. Anything where you can kind of discover uh, like a hidden mm. hidden layer to the world or whatever, that feels quite magical. You're like, oh, this was this was sort of here all along. Um, I quite like uh, it's not, I don't think it's very it doesn't feel like the spells themselves don't feel magical in Dark Souls. Uh, but finding the people who have the spells that you want feels magical because it's like there's a locked away knowledge in the world and you're trying to find it somewhere um and you don't know exactly where it is like the pyromancers there's like different pyromancers everywhere or you know a couple in different places and you have to try and find out who they are and then they have certain tomes and there are tomes you need to find once you get them it's like oh throw a fireball um but (laughs) the process of finding the magic to use is quite magical in itself it's the magic really good. I must admit, I haven't actually played Dark Souls. It's fine, not missing my much. Sins. Um, <gasps> but it's, I know, it's terrible. Um, is the magic like a real game changer? Does it kind of like, no. is it like, oh, now I'm cooking with fire? Or no, is it? it's mm. not. It's, oh. it's, it's odd. Um, the, the magic in Dark Souls is, if you're, is probably for about 80% of players functionally pointless. <laughs> because, it's hard to use and it is slow and it doesn't it can do a lot of damage but at the risk of you being killed because you don't have a real weapon <laughs> um yeah there are different there yeah it, it also it yeah it doesn't feel like a magical more magical than say like blinking across an area in dishonored or whatever you know it's still got like very concrete effects that you know will happen time and time again. Uh, I tell you what is magical in Dark Souls, though, is again not the magic, but when you like find a ladder that's the shortcut you needed or whatever, and you're just like, oh, th- thank God! It's pure magic. 
Just, oh god, I don't have to do that bit again. This is another thing I was going to say is that there are games that mess with, not with like spells or anything, but they mess with geography and perspective in a way that is like magic. Like if you play the Stanley Parable and you're walking down that, um, there's like a kind of corridor, it's like a hallway that's a horrible concrete hallway and you're just walking and doing these loops and then you realise, I've been down this hallway like five times, this is the same hallway, it's just repeating. Um and that feels really like magical or in a game whenever you're walking down a hallway it's repeating and you realize oh good i've got to turn around and go the other way and that'll get me out of this place yeah um mm. those are kind of like those labyrinths feel magical that feels mysterious um because it's about like discovering something that's kind of broken about the world uh it's not you using something mm. i guess sort of, sort of slightly similar to that is um like it's almost more like an old sort of stage magic where they do the classic, you're looking at something and then you turn around and the room's changed in some significant yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I know how, I, well, I don't know technically how it's done, but I've got a rough idea of what's being done. But like, um, I think Layers of Fear, the horror game, mm. did that quite well where you'd turn around and like, you know, the whole room would have flipped upside down or something. And um, the first, I remember the first Batman Arkham game doing it really well with some of the, like... Um, the scarecrow hallucination oh, yeah, yeah. stuff like you'd go into a morgue and then you'd turn around and you'd be in like you know the street where your parents were shot or something and it would feel like wow how did you do a scene yeah. change like behind my back that's crazy <laughs> you know there's a like an old school kind of stagecraft feel to that i quite like anything else it was funny because in the initial question there was the thing about like you know uh, it always feels too rigid as yeah. if that's you know, it can't be wondrous because mm. it's fixed. But, like, I think there is something about, like, the, you know, magic as a kind of craft that you're learning where it is, like, a concrete thing that you're dealing with. Um, like, I quite like games where you have... A couple of games I've played where you've had spell books, um, like the the sorcery games. Yeah. You know, where you've got, like, a book of spells where it kind of almost feels like spoilers for the whole game because you're, like well, here are 50 spells that you're going to do and, you know, the the little combination of letters that you're going to need to actually do them. And it's not like you can just type them in at any time and do a spell. Like, mm. there have to be certain circumstances. Um, you know, the letters have to be available. You have to have the equipment. But there was something about having a spell button going like, well, it's me and this versus the world. You know, like, I can confuse a goblin or I can turn a goblin into an apple or something. And at some point, this is going to help me, maybe. And it, yeah. it, it hints at kind of, adventures to come and then when it does happen you know it just feels a bit more lived in because you're kind of drawing wisdom from a tome um there was a there's a sort of an rpg series uh nino cooney mm-hmm. you know that level five made with um studio ghibli ghibli how we pronounce it and the uh the original nino cooney on the ds came with a like you had to play it with a huge physical spell book that came with it. No way. Yeah, what? but it never got re- it never got localized. So we we imported it. We had a Japanese copy on the DS. So we had this, you know, you had the DS in one hand and this stupid spell book, and because a lot of it was uh, symbols that you were drawing, yeah. so you were having to flip through the page to then sort of find the symbols, and you got the impression that there was like wisdom and magic and hints kind of hidden in the kind of flavor text on the page and. Things like that. So that that's quite, you know, that feels quite magical. Um, that's, that's rad. That's really neat. Like, no PC game ever does stuff like that. 
yeah. Nintendo. Damn you, Nintendo. Yeah, well, it was too, I think, too expensive for them to ever to localise it, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, it didn't make it. And it helped that the stylus was like a wand, so you were like drawing on the screen. Um, it reminds me a bit of. Um, do you ever play Black and White? Yeah. Because yeah. that yeah. had a, a gesture spell system where you had to kind of paint the spell onto yeah. the world almost. Except it was a little bit janky, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I set fire to a lot of things that I was meaning to water. Mm. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> they should really have made those very distinct. Yeah. I was I also... Re- sorry. sorry, go on. I was also going to mention Dragon Age, because I always do. And Dragon Age is one of those ones where it is just like, yeah, the mages are persecuted because mages. Which, by the way, doesn't make any sense in the Dragon Age world, because they're like, mages are too powerful and can do too much damage. That Like... A rogue has the ability to backflip and simultaneously fire, like, six arrows, uh, literally like a mile and a half. And everyone's like, this is fine. Rogues are fine. Mage is bad. Um, But I like the magic in uh, Dragon Age just because all the magic classes, like all the magic characters with their staffs, look like... You know, when you go in a bar and there's that one bartender who's done, like, a course in, like, mixology. (laughs) And he's, like, shaking stuff up. And then he's, like, throwing stuff behind his back. And, like, doing, like, throwing stuff in the air. Like, that's how the mages in Dragon Age look. Because they're just going, like, and then, like, under the leg, over the shoulder. Like, just, like, so over the top. The show-offs of yeah. the fancy world. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what mages are, really. Is that good magic? I don't know. I just, I just like it. <laughs> I just like it. Mm. <laughs> Does that feel mysterious? Yeah, when you're throwing your staff under your leg and shouting, Hoza! Yeah. when you do it. I don't know. Maybe it's to confuse the eye. <laughs> is, that a, is, that, is that a gag that's gone over my head? No, it's just me making fun of mages. Oh, okay. But obviously not well enough. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like it might have been a line from Dragon Age. <laughs> that has gone over my head. Um, I really liked. It's very scripted, and so maybe like it doesn't feel like a, a naturally magical thing that has emerged. But it's another Nintendo one. Um, in Zelda Skyward Sword, it had these uh, time crystals. And when you hit them, it basically created a bubble of the past around that crystal, which sounds, I, it must have been done some other time. Like, I swear I've seen that in other games, but you were in this desert region. And the idea was that when you hit these crystals, it would form like a little area around it and it would all be grassy because yeah. in the past it was, you know, happier times. But then you could carry these crystals around and it was like this little kind of window into the past that you were kind of had with you. Um, and like when you'd go over skeletons, they'd turn back into enemies. Likewise, if someone was attacking you, you could throw the crystal away and then they'd revert to being a skeleton because the time bubble wasn't around them anymore. But that little bubble itself felt quite magical at the time. There was a a whole uh, stretch of the, the game where you were sailing around on this lake, which had was sort of long since gone because it all dried up because it was a desert. And so you only had water in the time bubble around you. So you were like a boat floating on a little sort of puddle of water that you'd kind of conjured up using this time window. And the rest of it was still desert, but you were just there. And you had this sort of like tiny idea of something that used to be 
um, but they're kind of moved with you. And I always thought that was quite kind of magic and sort of wondrous. That is what um, Bioshock Infinite was supposed to do, remember? Oh, oh God, oh, yeah! yeah! Alternate windows to... It just didn't, I remember that, because I was so excited, yeah. It just, it, instead it just decided, well, sometimes we'll just let them press it at a certain point in the map, and then they'll get a different hook. They'll get a different <laughs> yeah. place to, to shoot their hook, or that, something. That first gameplay trailer was so good, and I got, I was like, that's amazing! And then it like, just, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Oh, well. Someone else will do that in some other game, it'll be yeah. fine. It must have been. I swear, like the going back into you know time travel. I've seen that in another game, but I can't yeah. think what. That's a really good level in um, Dishonored as well. Actually, in Dishonored Two, oh yeah, where you have that you are, you you go to a mansion in the present, which is all kind of falling apart and dilapidated and there and stuff, and then you can pass into the past where it's full of guards and it's like there's a lush party happening, but also you can look back and forth between the past and the present using a little weird timepiece thing. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can kind of drop in and then stab yeah. someone who's who yeah. was standing there like 20 years ago yeah, yeah. and then hop back. Yeah, that was crazy, that level. That was well cool. That's very similar to the Titanfall 2 time travel thing. Yeah. Um, there was a level in that where you were hopping back and forth between time. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Oh, I like I like my time travel is always pretty wondrous. Yeah, time travel magic. More of that. Everyone do more time travel. That's what you should make your game about. Time travel magic. <laughs> I know that there are also there are lots of games where it's like magics colliding and then it having kind of like a almost like a chemistry effect. Yeah. You know, there's like I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. M- but magica. I, yeah, that magica kind of thing. Like... But like, it felt like there was a period where lots of people were tinkering with. I know. And, uh, Divinity Original Sin to an extent mm. of that kind of, you know, I'm going to give you relatively simple tools and then it's about what happens when these things kind of crash into each other. Um, that's quite sort of fun and ma- it feels like this kind of, the magic is chaotic and kind of grows beyond what you've done and, and has a kind of life beyond you, which is pretty, pretty magical. Even if it's just like electrocuting a puddle or blowing up some gas, <laughs> that's quite always quite good i've not actually played magicka but i know that's very similar kind of deal i think yeah magicka i think you can like basically you have different magics and you can you can cross the streams and you'll make a kind of magic that you didn't intend to make uh, either by accident or you know happy circum you know, happenstance um so that's fun more crossing the streams <laughs> <laughs> I kind of agree with you, Matthew, when you say that the ru- magic having rules isn't so much of a problem. Like, mysterious, you can't really do mysterious magic in a game that much because games are about having rules and about there being cause and effect. Like, and it has to be clear if I do this, then this will happen. Mm. Um, the magic should come in you learning what those rules are. Mm. Um so like the most magician-y I ever felt in a game were, were in like programmy games. So like Opus Magnum, the Zack-like, or Else Heartbreak, because you're learning something and it, it is something that actually exists in the world. It's programming language and it's not magic at all. It's just just logic. Mm. Um, but then you use that logic to, to break a 
a, a rule that you thought existed in the world, like something that you thought couldn't be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like for example, in Else Heartbreak, you can just make a machine that lockpicks every every door in the game, and it's like, well, you couldn't do that before, but you figured out the magic of the magic of C plus <laughs> plus. So, uh, <laughs> you've applied some arcane knowledge there. Which game's that? Sorry, Else Heartbreak. Right. It's like a. Um, I've reviewed it before, so I'll put a link to it. But it's just like yeah, a game about wandering. It's like an isometric game. You're wandering around a. There's the city of Dorisburg, which I think is based on Gothenburg, and uh, you're just like a new person there, and you follow them with a bunch of hackers. It's quite nice. It's quite. Well, it's like. It's a bit of a what do you call it? A Nutella game? Not Nutella. What's the other one? Marmite. <laughs> yeah, Marmite. Yeah, everyone loves Nutella. <laughs> Nutella's the one that everyone can't get enough of, so they have to kind of like ration it out because it's so delicious. I don't know why I just said Nutella. I just want Nutella. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's definitely a Marmite game. Imagine confusing Nutella and Marmite in real life. Oh my god! What a disaster! You get a that shock. Would be, I mean, that's they look so alike. They do. That is a recipe for disaster. Take the labels off. Have you ever done that thing where you get a load of tin cans of food and then you take the labels off and then you have surprise dinner? No. It's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> I Mostly because I think the only tin things I really have at home are like various tin fruits. So surprise dinner would be just pear halves. And you'd be like, mm, it's, not really, it's not really a grown-up's dinner, is it? That's what I do in a zombie apocalypse to spice it up and keep it interesting. All right. It's, it's not interesting enough. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just in case you find yourself getting complacent. Mm. Um, I always, I, I, again, I don't know if I, it's ever been done in the game, but I always quite like the, um, have you read the Earthsea books? I know of them. The Ursula Le Guin. Yeah, because in, in that, you know, it's it's the world is sort of governed by everything has a kind of true name, which is only known to the owner of the name. And if you give that name out, uh, that's how people have power over you. Like, yeah. You have your kind of everyday name and then you have your kind of true... And you could build something quite fun out of, like, you know, almost with a, you know, like you said about that kind of coding language, you could almost turn that into a into a magic version of trying to work out the kind of mm. the root of everything around you and then you've got command over the things you do have and that 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 could be done. I'd like to play a game of that. Make an Earthsea game, person who set this question. That's <laughs> what I would like. So there we go. Magic is about knowing stuff. It's about knowing the real names of things. Any other ones before we move on? Nah, nothing's leaping to mind. Let's just talk about what we've been playing. Which kind of links into uh, to magic... If we count you playing Nightmare Live as being something you've been playing, yeah, Alice, I've been playing a video game as well. But we... <laughs> I want to know about Nightmare Live because you told us about it, and I don't know. I think you should explain. Okay. Well, first of all, do you... Matthew, do you know what Nightmare is? Well, I know. I don't, what no the TV show, the kids' TV show. Yeah, 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 yeah. with yeah. the band with the beard and all yeah, that. Yeah, Brent, Brendan, do you know what Nightmare is? I do, yeah, but I think you should but still tell people. Tell what, what's well, going tell uh, tell the listeners. So, Nightmare was um, a kids' TV show that ran from I think nineteen eighty nine 
to at some point in the 90s, maybe like 96, something like that. I think there were maybe eight seasons um, and it was legendarily hard. Um, but uh, I think like over there were eight teams over the whole all series that ever won it. One of them was because it was Christmas uh, and they just needed a happy Christmas ending. <laughs> And one of them was because it was like one of the last episodes and they were like, we need someone to win. So it was like, go through this tunnel. What's on the other end? It's the end of the quest. Um, what is the end of the quest? I don't know. They needed a goblet or something. I don't okay. Know. Um, uh, but in Nightmare, uh, three children would uh, sit in a room while uh, another child went into a separate room that was like a big kind of blue screen, I think. Yeah. And it had like actors in it and like the kid the kids guiding the fourth kid who was the dungeoneer the kids guiding the dungeoneer could see you know what had been maps and chroma keyed onto the blue screen which was always like you know a feasting hall or a dungeon or something and then there was an actor being a goblin or a wizard or whatever in the room as well Uh, or there were like imaginary like blades coming at the screen that like the dungeoneer had to avoid but the dungeoneer couldn't see anything because the dungeoneer was wearing a giant helmet called the helmet of justice because justice is blind and oh. uh yeah and uh so the three other children had to just shout stuff like sidestep left sidestep right turn 90 degrees uh and they'd always say you're in a room um there's a woman there's a woman at the end doing the washing up or whatever and you basically had to survive the dungeon which was the bad guy was lord fear and the good guy helping you was treyguard i think it was his castle i don't know why there was pits of like traps and stuff in his castle castle he does doesn't he that's the thing and he shouldn't ask children to do it the maniac (laughs) labor laws were different in the 90s um (laughs) And uh, yeah, nobody ever ever won it. And now, um, to people I know um, who are very good kind of improv actors, do Nightmare Live um, a few times a year, where uh, they will get two kind of guest people, of which I was one on this occasion, to be the the you know the the guides yelling, "You're in a room, side step left, watch out for the goblin." And then just someone from the audience being the dungeoneer, like they've got the proper helmet and a knapsack and everything. And so it was me and this very funny guy called Ivan shouting at like a child who hadn't played the game before, who had no idea what it was. He was 11. He had no idea what was going on. They actually have a child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not always a child. So he wasn't even born whenever Nightmare was around. He couldn't even relish the nostalgia of this. No, he had no idea what was happening on any level. He did enjoy it because everyone was cheering for him and it's like fun and he was like running around the stage and whatever. Um, Usually it is, I think, a 30-something who wants right. to recapture their youth but on this occasion it was a child <laughs> and um it was really good it was really fun like because uh, the people do it who do it are all improv actors so they're really good at responding to right. every situation and stuff the best bit was they've got like a dragon model that will like they push kind of on stage and then one of the improv actors is the voice of the dragon and just like shouts into a mic off stage while this dragon is yelling at like the dungeoneer uh and i got the dungeoneer to say it's coming home and then the dragon sang the song for like five minutes <laughs> oh great which is another reference which is going to baffle the child yeah exactly <laughs> to know what was going on <laughs> oh yeah it 
if only great. we could all go back into that horrifying place. I just remember the um like the final moments, like the final room was always here against Lord Fear on like a big chessboard basically. Yeah. That he scared me. He scared me so much. I I got I remember getting confused around the time because there was um you remember in Carter the yeah. the CD ROM oh, encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah. It had like a game in it where you explored a castle. Hmm? Mind Maze. Mind Maze. I thought somehow Mind Maze was related to Nightmare because <laughs> they both had a sort of similar vibe to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you'd go into a room and a jester would ask you questions about Egypt or something. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know why, but in my head, for ages, I used to think, oh yeah, that's the game of Nightmare. That's the Nightmare game. <laughs> Except it's more trivia based. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, that's obviously not true. That, that uh, You know, in terms of that, that, that is the link, but yeah. No, it was really good. It went a bit wrong at some points, but like at the end, the one of the challenges was like the uh, the kid had to cross a room that had the spinning blades going back and forth across it, uh, get the deeds to the dungeon, uh, and then walk back, which we did successfully. But Lord Fear uh, at the last minute couldn't find the actual prop that was the deeds, so uh, Joe the kid uh, managed to retrieve an open bag of strawberry laces. <laughs> That's much better. Know, so the yeah. quest was to get some deeds. Yeah, there was a Is whole... this whole thing just a property dispute? There was a meta narrative about it. Yeah, it was really good. Bu- I don't well, want to spoil it, oh, but right. it, you should go. It's great. Oh, this was in your nightmare. <laughs> this wasn't the original show. No, no, the this show wasn't about getting the deeds to a dungeon. I was no. just. Gonna... All right, okay. That's why I was getting confused. I was like, that is weird. By even by nineties. No, I know, I know. But no, yeah, it was great. Um... But yeah, that's the not a video game I played this weekend. What's the video game? I've been playing Europa, which is kind of a platformer that um, you play like a little kind of little stubby like concrete man. He's got like a big round head and little like flat feet and flat kind of arms. And he is you can spray paint him whatever you like. You can put like different eyes and uh, nose and ears and like face on him and make him different colors and stuff. And um, if he gets hurt, he loses some of the paint, and that's how you know how close you are to dying and stuff. And you, the game starts and sort of like Paris explodes, <laughs> but like in like a nice platformy way, um, like the oh, the, yeah, Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower shatters <laughs> into a um, bunch of people, like gravity inverts and stuff, and it goes all weird. And then you, this little dude, um, stomp around these platform bits are now floating around, and you can walk on any continuous surface so you can go upside down as long as you your feet don't leave right the surface that you were standing on when you're upright so you have to kind of it's it's sort of not platforming because you can't jump but you like you have to walk around like curves and figure out like the bunch of different puzzles and stuff mm. based on just like how can i walk to all the bits i need to get to mm. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it is good. It gets a little bit because you you will very early on find like levels and stuff that you don't yet have the abilities to solve, but you kind of don't know that. So it's possible to spend quite a lot of time tracing backwards and forwards and like right getting a little bit frustrated. But there's like there's a lot about it. it's very nice. I haven't finished it yet. I've done maybe a couple hours. When you say um, it's called Europa, it's spelled like in a weird way, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's your as in belongs to you, y o u r o p a. It's out now, um, but yeah, it's like it's it's 
interesting. It's fun. There are some puzzles in it that are very satisfying when, when you do figure them out. Um, to do with like perspective and like looking around you and mm. and um, and that like it, yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot to like about it, I think so like taking a look at, at what it is and kind of seeing what it is definitely worth a look so far. But it's it's started to get more difficult now. Like there's loads of stuff to do with like collapsing platforms and things. I'm not prepared for it. I like walking on the ceiling in games. Yeah. Mario Galaxy was good for ceiling walking. Yeah, it's good because your little man has a little rope tied to his ankle that has a little trailer bit on it. So if you ever forget which way up you are, you just look at the rope and see which way it's pointing, oh, and then you can tell where you're orientated. It should be sick every few seconds. Yeah, and you yeah. Can oh, see God, from the direction yeah. of the sick. <laughs> <laughs> if I was making that game, that's what I'd change. I'd keep it all the same, uh, but I'd have him be sick every couple of seconds. <laughs> just oh a little bit. <laughs> that would be good. What about you, Matthew? What have you been playing? Um, I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Have you? Which I feel like I've been playing for about five hundred years. Um, it's the longest game I think I've ever played. I've only played it for twenty-three hours, actually, the clock. But it's the longest twenty-three hours of my life. Um, <laughs> because I've... you don't like it, or? Uh, no, just because I don't seem to get anywhere with it. Like, I, I, in in the moment to moment, I feel like I'm really achieving stuff. But then the second I look at the map screen, I realise, like, what a tiny dent I've made on this massive landscape. And then I just, all my progress instantly vanishes. And then I feel like, well, what's the point? What am I doing? Um, it's... Yeah, I, I just... There's just too much of it. Like, the, I, I don't know if you've played it, but, like... It's, it's massive. Yeah, it's, it's huge. huge. I and mean, it's like a massive, massive desert. I mean, with yeah. with lots of stuff in it. So, um, yeah, it, I feel like I've done several games worth of winning, and I've had several games worth of victories. But I've just no, I have no idea where I am in the story, or like if I'm actually making any progress. Um, I've also got this this thing which happens with. Um, most Assassin's Creed games where there's always like an item or two that are basically like instant win items and once you've worked that out or leveled them up or unlocked them to a certain degree you can just rely on them and in this one I've got um, uh, like a, a, a poison dart oh, yeah. that you throw at them and then they walk around and then they'll poison anyone they're near yeah. and you know, you can't kill people who are very high level, but if they're of a similar or lower level, you can basically rinse these entire things. So every enemy encampment, I just hide in a bush, poison like four people, and then they poison <laughs> everyone else. And then I just wait for everyone to peek themselves to death. Then I jump out of the bush, collect all the gold, and repeat. And I've done this. I mean, it's it's fun in itself. Like I'm sort of ha ha, everyone's being sick, and you know that's that's great. That like don't get me wrong, that always makes me laugh. But wow, it yeah. just. I just haven't achieved. I just why make more work for myself by engaging with other things? Because yeah. I don't like the combat in it. For example, I find it quite quite sloppy. So I'm stealthing everything. Um, I've just made it this incredibly repetitive task for myself, and I don't really know how to get out of this loop. And it's kind of annoying because when the story missions do happen, they're really good yeah. by Assassin's Creed standards. Like yeah. the assassinations feel like quite big scripted moments mm. they're quite fun to approach um i just wish there was more of them or less of everything else in between them yeah. but um yeah i feel like i've got like i don't know I, 
if I ever get to the end of it, or if I'm meant to, I don't know if the, the story takes you around the whole map because I've seen about a third of it so far. I'd say. I don't think it takes you around all of it. I think there are big bits in the middle that you can easily like mm. miss if you just do the story. Like I'm hoping some of those blanked out areas, I'll go into it and it'll just say like, "There's one fort here." And oh yeah, a lot. Empty. Like there's a bunch of stuff in the middle is just really nice looking mountains, and you'll get a great view if you bother to right. haul up to the top of the mountain. But. But I, I just, yeah. Now I've played this, I kind of don't know if, like, I'm intrigued to see what the 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 new one Odyssey yeah. does to kind of not just repeat all this again because I've done. I feel like I've done big open world Assassin's Creed now. I don't know if I want to yeah. do another one, but we'll see. It's funny with Origins because I felt like it was so because I usually get quite a lot of kind of completionist anxiety about stuff like that yeah and uh but i kind of didn't with origins because it was just so big that it eventually got to the point that i was like in real life i am sure there are interesting things happening in glasgow but <laughs> i'm more you know like i'm not going to experience them so it's I'm not okay gonna fast like, travel there every five minutes yeah. just to make sure yeah yeah I, but I, that's, I, that maybe that's it. I can't shake the completionist thing, so mm. I'm, I'm still clearing out every last penny, every yeah. last. Uh, you keep collecting like flamingo beaks or something. Oh yeah, it's just like <laughs> of all the bits of the flamingo, like is that really the the you know? Surely you want to get all those lovely pink feathers and make yourself a really kind of flamboyant jacket. Oh my god! If you can make a flamingo jacket, oh but my instead, god! Instead, it's just like. No, here's me with my sucker beaks. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's origins. <laughs> we should have a we should do a podcast on the games we absolutely had to complete. Yeah. Okay. At some point. We um, should do one on outfits. I wish they'd done a flamingo outfit because in like some of the, <laughs> the earlier uh, Assassin's Creeds, they kind of had like some of the silliest out. The, the what was the French word? Unity. You could dress Arno so stupidly in mm. Unity in like such stupid colours. I liked dressing him in bright yellow, really flamboyantly in bright yellow, so he was like a small sun. Because then it was really, really funny to me when I would stab someone and then disappear into the crowd, and they'd be like, "Who was it? I did not see who it was. Kill that man." I, my uh, the guy in Origins, I've given him. I unlock this costume where he's got like a metal lion's helmet. Oh god, yeah. And I've worn it for the whole game. And the two things I really like about it is that every single one of his lines, it, it adds a little echo effect onto it, <laughs> as because he's saying inside this, basically, he's wearing a bin on his head. So everything's slightly kind of echoey. And the other thing is that you can't see who it is because he's got this giant let line face. But in all the cutscenes, everyone's like, I haven't seen you for so long. <laughs> and like you emerge out of the crowd and they're like, Bayek. And you're like, no, this could be anyone. Like, it's just a man with this bin on his head. Like, that's, that's it's just ridiculous. And these romance scenes where he's kind of cradling, you know, dying children and stuff with this stupid line thing on it. It makes the cutscenes Probably ten times better, but <laughs> it's quite daft. But yes, it would be even better if he was cosplaying as a flamingo while while doing all that. <laughs> a man can dream. It would be soft. Are you listening? Yeah. They're not. They don't no. listen to us. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, we should go and see what our listeners, what spells, what magic spells our listeners like. <laughs> Let's see. 
What of our readers? What do our readers like? We've had a couple of people saying Magica. Uh, Lasse Anderson says Magica, obviously, presenting magic as a chaotic series of elements to weave together. That was the good stuff. Daryl Green agrees with us, uh, saying I like magic for pu- puzzle solving, talking to animals to get keys, shrinking and growing to get around obstacles, etc. So turning into a mug. That counts. <laughs> that totally counts. Somebody, Walter Shevek just says, Raising the dead. I love necromancer stuff in games. <laughs> <laughs> and then just a little smiley face, and someone's, someone's given it a thumbs up, so it shows he's not alone in his necromancer necromancy uh, I don't know how to pronounce it Skin Spazy says anything that lets you summon minions to do your bidding is a winning spell for me the only thing better than winning a fight is watching an underling fight for you which I feel also has you know some slightly sinister undertones there <laughs> I do like minions I prefer like turning enemies against each other oh yeah I like berserk stuff and you know where oh, people yeah. like mind controly stuff I think that's more fun like in terms of the narrative of the game I yeah. like the idea of like bodyguards turning on their okay. masters and things or like that. like what, a guard being like Simon what are you doing it's me like, yeah, yeah that's what I, yeah <laughs> that's what I like um yeah I'm big big into that yeah yeah my brother is tweeting really yeah he listens he yeah. says Using the force in Jedi Knight 2 to grab stormtroopers and dangle them over massive drops. <laughs> Loves it. Yeah, it's, it's good magic. It's good magic, yeah. Uh, Calvin Wong Seilun, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but says, Life is Strange's Time Rewind. Oh yeah, that was... I, I, I enjoyed how Max used it a lot of the time as well, which is what I would have done when I was a teenager, which is like discover you have this awesome time rewind power and then basically use it to make yourself popular. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that you never say the wrong thing. I like that Dragon 8 says, you can't go wrong with a good old fashioned magic laser. No, yeah. Which is true. Which is quite true. <laughs> a magic laser. Ethnogamer says about the black and white controls. They say the gesture controls in black and white were a great approach to magic, summoning a fire miracle with a gesture and then lobbing it across the map to destroy a village. That is, if you don't summon something else by mistake. Yeah. I remember doing the tutorial for it and it was like, do this gesture for to summoning whatever. And I'm doing it, I'm doing it! And then, like, yeah. My only memory of black and white was punching my god loads during the tutorial because it gets oh, rude. Oh, yeah. And so then my mum telling me off. <laughs> saying, yeah. this is horrible. If you're not going to be nice, you're not allowed to play it. <laughs> she should tell you off. You can't slap your, your beggy-up child. That's not nice. Yeah, but... I did that too. I was very nice. I, I had a cow quite often, I think. Yeah. Like the cow one. What else is there? <laughs> Someone says, finding the BFG in Doom. That's not magic. It's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Keep up. Uh, Stuart Walton says, Combinational systems are always good when you can grammatically build new spells like Magicka, Arx, Fatalis, Eternal Darkness. Um, heals, healing spells that hurt the undead, plus any other type of usually benign spell that has other uses. Oh, yeah. Divinity Original Sin does that, where the skeletons heal by drinking poison and yeah. stuff. That's fun. That's cool. Yeah, I I got the um, ability where you'd heal if you stood in blood. 
which is always nice because then the blood would kind of disappear as well it's like you were vacuuming it up yeah Ooh. uh russell Lindsay says the spells in sacrifice were fun and quirky you could cast a spell in which a cow flies out of the ground then lands explodes and kills loads of enemies uh what an underappreciated gem i played loads of sacrifice when I was a kid. It was this weird game where you, you were like uh, a summoner and you turned up in this world where there were, I think, five gods. Um, and uh, they each had like a different land and had different types of spells and you would like go choose to hang out with one of them and then uh, eventually like... Or like you, eventually you would destroy them, basically. It's kind of an RTS game because yeah, you would... Yeah, but you were also playing like a character who's quite powerful in their own yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you would run around on battlefields summoning different animal tr- units yeah. and then sending them into battle basically against other summoners. That sounds good. I like Paul Moropinder, who says anything with magic swords flying around the character. Yeah. Which is also good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy fifteen's taking that box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what I quite liked on a side note in Final Fantasy XV, though at the time everyone kicked off about it. You know that he gets that magic ring? There's that quite bad section oh, yeah, the whole where section, you, yeah. you have to fight with just the like, mag- magic ring. Mm. But at the end of it, you do have a ring that can basically suck anything into a black hole. Yeah, it's true. Um, and you can even... Uh, there's that giant... Is it the Adamantoys, the giant mountain yeah, boss yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah you can pull that into the black hole no way I didn't yeah, try but that it's, it's got a tiny chance of happening but you can like eat all this food to boost your luck and you, you can basically sort of skew it in your favour and just keep spamming the magic ring yeah. until eventually it pulls the entire mountain into this black hole it's absolutely amazing yeah. it's brilliant I'm going to have to look that up now yeah I'll find out I've got a little clip of it so I will put it on the, I'll, I'll share it with you awesome cool any more we want to read out, or do we hear our readers now? Someone says the materia from Final Fantasy VII. Depend. No, they're they're quite it's rubbish, t- aren't they? Is it materia? I don't know. My fo- I, I've, I'm not yeah. a big Final Fantasy VII guy. No, me either. Um, the summons are always more fun than the materia. The materia are like, yeah, I'm just they're just different ways to get damage. Like the fi- the magic in Final Fantasy is not usually all that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you try saying that as a giant ice lady comes and stomps yeah. on you. No, that, that's what I'm saying. The, the summons are fun. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah. the normal like magic doesn't usually go beyond. Oh, this is a different color that does a different amount of damage depending on what you are. Mm-hmm. I very rarely play as magicians in games. Really? If I have, yeah, if I have a choice not to, I'll avoid them. I you you're a, you would persecute. The mages is what you're saying. I would definitely do that, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I used to. I used to do that. I used to be sword and board all the oh. way. But then sword and board. Have <laughs> you not heard that before? No. Where's that from? I don't know. Somewhere. I did. I know. I didn't make it up. I'm not claiming that, but it's a thing. That is good. It's sword and board. Yeah. You got I'm bow and <laughs> slow. I take it slow because I sneak. <laughs> I'm a rogue. There you go. Bow and slow. <laughs> Sword and board. Sword and board. But then I, like, once... Because I was really bad at, like, aiming fireballs and things like that. But once you, get, like, get into kind of top-down, like, turn-based-y stuff, so I find it really fun doing magic and exploding things. Okay. Cool. We're not going to read out any more people's things. We don't like them anymore. <laughs> uh, but also because we've got to go. 
Um, if you have any theme suggestions, uh, like our theme suggester this week did, thank you, Chris. Uh, you can send it to us at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can also check us on Twitter and Facebook at rockpapershot and on YouTube as well. Matthew does the videos there with Noah at rockpapershot. And uh, yeah, please like us. Like us. It's <laughs> <laughs> so desperate. Please just clap. Like, just like what we do. <laughs> just <laughs> please. We need encouragement and what's that what's that word love <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much uh you can also find matthew on twitter what's your twitter matthew uh, mr basil underscore pesto and you can find alice there as well no you can't no you can't so it's another it's another week you've done this I'm still not there you can't find alice there so don't bother all right <laughs> Um, you can find me there I'm Brendy underscore C uh, that's all we've got this week thank you very much for joining us for our magical discussion bye bye bye, bye.